It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and it's going to be a blast. Let's have some fun. What do we have tonight? Oh, I know what you're thinking. Jesse, it's a slow news day. Show's probably going to be boring. Oh, no, 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 no. That's when we specialize. That's our specialty is when the news day is slow. What kind of stuff do we have for you tonight? Oh, I don't know. Somebody wants details on Jesse Kelly's national divorce. I'm going to give out some details on that because I have some Olympics info that was a little shocking. We'll get to that. We'll get to all this vaccine mandates, vaccine booster shots. We have a bunch of Americans who don't want to go back to work. And maybe most importantly, as you remember, last week, we, in the interest of reaching across the aisle, and bridging the divide of this nation, decided here on the Jesse Kelly Show we were going to rank the 10 hottest congresswomen, Republicans and Democrats. All were welcome. I'm proud to announce an hour and a half from now we will have our champion, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from from Colorado, coming on the show to accept her crown, tell us how she did it, who was the competition she feared the most, All these other things are coming tonight on The Jesse Kelly Show. Oh, and I did get called a jerk by the wife. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go over that in just a moment. But first, first and foremost, you probably don't care about the Olympics. Olympics. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm looking at numbers right here. U.S. viewers of the Olympics, 33 year low. A 33-year low. And I want you to keep something in mind here. I'm not talking about the Olympics. I'm talking about something bigger. 33-year low. This is at a time when we should be really dominant too, right? 33-year low. Why? What's happening? People are getting confused out there. Why, why is the NFL ratings, why are they down? Why, NBA ratings are tanking. What's happening? Uh, people aren't watching baseball. What's going on? What's going on is the national divorce. What I've already been talking about, what I've been pushing for, it's naturally happening anyway. It's just happening more slowly and quietly than anyone wants to realize. You and I, right now, we are living in the beginning of, not the end of, the beginning of the Great Separation where America is walking away from each other, really. That's what you're experiencing. And there are a lot of different reasons for it, but let's just dig into this and talk about it right now. What happened here? Well, we were a nation obviously founded on Judeo-Christian values and small government, very, very limited government. It made us very unique. Christian nation wasn't that unique. I mean, most, most nations, especially European ones, had some kind of Christian Catholicism somewhere in there behind them. But having a Christian nation where the government had to be tiny, that was unique. And that was our founding. And it was wonderful. And because of that, coupled with the fact we live in a geographically isolated place that's also drowning in natural resources, those things combined created a nation where freedom just simply exploded. So innovation exploded and wealth exploded. And we started getting 
too wealthy. Is that fair? So here's the thing when we have this conversation, and we're going to have a long talk about this tonight. Here's the thing when we have this conversation about too wealthy. I don't love saying that. I don't love using that term because I've never liked to use that term for other people. I'm, I'm an ambitious human being. When I was selling RVs, I wanted to be the best at it. When I was uh, working construction, I wanted to be the best at it. Right now, obviously I have a ways to go, but want to be the best at this. Best in radio, best in TV, best in everything. You know, probably not, obviously not realistic, but that's what you want to be. And while I'm not a huge money guy, I'm also not a saint. I, mean, I like money. I, I like I like to eat a steak. I like to have a, a, a house, car that works, that kind of thing. So I don't ever like to point to anybody, especially people in my industry, and say he's made too much money. They've made too much money. That person's too rich. But let's be frank about something, you and I. And this hurts, depending on where you are in your career, this hurts to hear. There does get to a point in a man's life, probably women too, but I don't think I'm qualified enough to speak on what they think because who knows what they think. Oh, quit. Anyway, there's a time in a man's life, if he gets there, where he'll be so successful, he'll have achieved such financial security, job success, that he stops improving. Boom, you get to this point. You stop improving. Why do you stop improving? You stop improving because you don't have to anymore. You don't have to anymore. When you're 20 years old, you're just starting out, probably have a crappy job, if one at all, trying to get ahead, Brother, you've got to grind. You've got to acquire new skills, show up early, leave late. You've got to do these things. When you're 55, got a million in the bank, driving around a Beamer, wife's still really hot. Do you have to get to the office 15 minutes early? No, you don't. So right away, you stop improving. This is just, we're talking about America here. You stop improving. And we got there. We got to a point where we just kind of stopped. Then... And I've seen this. I've seen this so many times. Then you get to an even more dangerous place. You stop improving, and then you start going downhill. But because you're so wealthy, you're so well off, you're so insulated from the immediate results of that, you don't see it coming. What do I mean? Well, fifty-five used to work out regularly. Now it doesn't really work out at all. It's just easier to just sleep in a little longer. Now he doesn't work out at all, and now he's eating a lot more cake than he used to, drinking a lot more whiskey, the best whiskey, you know, than he used to. Well, now the health is going downhill slowly but surely. Your kids, they still getting the same amount of phone calls from you once you're that wealthy and powerful? Or you moved on to other things? What I'm saying is, as a nation, we blew up. We blew up for, in a good way. We blew up in this major way. And we achieved such a level of wealth and success that we started to get neglectful. We stopped getting better. And that's when the dirty, disgusting communists came over and took in, well, they took over all of our institutions. Slowly but surely, as soon as we stopped improving, we stopped taking care of ourselves because we got so wealthy. The communists stepped in. And then what happened next is what you're seeing right now. We went from stopped improving 
to we're actively backsliding, as in half the country, or at least at least half the country, that's probably short, half the country, they don't even realize what's happening. Can you wrap your mind around that? Half the country doesn't even realize what's happening right now. They don't realize people who hate America have taken over America. And no, I'm not just talking about Joe Biden and Democrats. Every single part of this country. Here's a headline. Facebook, Twitter, Microsoft, YouTube, and other big tech companies will now add content to a shared counterterrorism key database aimed to crack down on material from, quote, white white supremacists and far-right militias. We all know what this is. This is yet another attempt by the people who run this country to make who out to be the enemy? You. People aren't even aware that we've gotten so wealthy and fat and lazy that we are now losing freedom quickly and they don't don't even know that it's happening, let alone how to stop it. Think about this. Think about what's going on right now as as it comes to China versus us. China versus us. Have you really wrapped your mind around this, what what we're going through? I'll tell you what, we're going to go over that in just a second. First of all, my pillow. I just read a bunch of other companies to you. How do they feel about America? Are you happy patronizing those companies? Or do you want to patronize a company like my pillow? Mike Lindell with my pillow, he's been out there going to war for us, taking all the slings and arrows for us. And it's not like it's some charity. They have the best stuff out there. I have a my pillow pillow. I have a my pillow mattress topper, my pillow sheets. My wife sleeps in my pillow pajamas. I have my pillow slippers. <laughs> it's awesome. And now I have a steal for you right now. They have this great towel set, all USA cotton, and it's normally $109.99. If you go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code JESSE, you get that same set for $39.99. Normally $109.99, now it's $39.99. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, use the promo code JESSE. Go save yourself a fortune, enjoy the best towels money can buy from a great American company. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We are talking tonight about Olympics ratings and the separation of the country. Again, it's not about Olympics. What happened in America on a macro level was we got too rich, too fat, too bored. We stopped improving. And then once we stopped improving, the backslide began. And when I say backslide, I mean this. We allowed, now granted it started with the Soviets who did this on purpose, but we allowed the dirty America-hating communist scum to start taking over all of our institutions slowly. Slowly. Remember, everything feels like it's terrible now because you're just starting to get to see the end results of what they've done. This has been decades and decades and decades they've done this. But the truth is... And a lot of us own this. This is as much on me as anyone else. I'm not pointing fingers. The truth is we weren't strong enough. We weren't aware enough, courageous enough. I don't know what word you want to use to stop it. We could have stopped it. Communists, you realize communists have never taken over a place with the majority of the votes ever. Never once was there a 51% of the public that said, woohoo, this communism looks great. They've never done that. 
Everywhere they've gone, they've did exactly what they've done here. You don't have to control the majority of the population. You simply have to find who holds the levers of power, and that's where you take over. The vast majority of the American public, and I mean vast, even Democrats, they don't want their kids learning critical race theory in school. They know that's insane. But what good does that do? I don't care what the the communist doesn't look around and trouble himself with how popular his policies are with the vast majority of Americans. He knows all he has to do. Write the textbooks and get on the school boards and the kids will learn whatever he wants them to learn. That's how they operate. Now, what does this have to do with the Olympics and ratings and America separating? Well, here's what's happened. And when I tell you this, understand, I'm going through this with you. I I am going through this with you, and I was thinking about it this weekend. We look around right now, and we are horrified by what we've seen happen to our country. Your culture, just every good and decent part of this place being rotted out to the core. And what's happening is we're already starting to walk away from each other. You remember they had the, the big state exodus, a bunch of blue states like New Jersey and California and New York. They, they were having people hemorrhaging. They lost so many people, they were losing congressional seats. People aren't all going on social media saying why they're leaving. They're not all on the radio every single day telling you how they feel. Most people, because they just don't want to deal with the headache, they're just going to quietly throw in a couple job applications, maybe see if you get a call back. Oh, honey, looks like this guy will hire me in Dallas. I already called a realtor for sale sign will be in the yard tomorrow. We're out of here. What's happening is the country's already separating. Why do you think people aren't watching sports at a time when an unprecedented number of Americans are staying home? Why would you turn off the Olympics all of a sudden? Well, for the same reason I turned it off. I'm done with it. It was on for five seconds. There's the U.S. women's soccer team taking a dump on our country in front of every other country. And, you know, I don't need that with my time. I have too many other options now. I don't have to watch the Olympics. Would I love to watch sports with my sons? Yes, because I think sports are so good for boys. That and the fact my boys suck at them. So I thought maybe they could watch and there would be some improvement there. Nope. I'm not doing it. I don't have to go watch you dump on the American flag at the NBA and NFL and everything else. I don't have to do it. I don't have to watch the NFL further the racial divide in this country by playing, quote, the black national anthem before football games, which they're going to do this year. This is the stuff that creates anger and resentment and division. And don't tell me it doesn't matter. All this stuff matters a lot. Culture is so much more than taxes and spending. Your sports, your entertainment, your music, your movies, the things that go into your eyes and my eyes and my ears, it matters a lot. It matters a lot. Why do you think the values of society are changing so quickly? What were the movies like when you were a kid? Good versus evil. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. Give me a bow that can explode people and I'm going to go rescue people because that's what brave men do. What are your movies about now? 
Same themes now? No, they're all insane. They're all insane. All right. We still have to get to my story. I'll get to it in just as, you know, I'm going to tell my story right now about, about getting called a jerk. And this happens a lot to me. And I don't think it's fair. And here's why I don't think it's fair, even though I don't like that word fair. I don't intend for anything to be rude. And I don't think being direct is being rude. What was the situation? Well, we had ants. We had a bad ant problem in the house. And look, on my life, we close the doors and keep the house clean. It was just all of a sudden, out of the blue, there's just a conga line of ants all over the place. And I'm buying every single toxic poison you can find at the hardware store trying to kill these things. I'm sure I almost killed the dog 10 times. I'm just trying to get rid of the ant problem because no guy wants to be the guy who has to call pest control, right? Nobody wants to be that guy. I got a, a, a raccoon I can't get rid of. That, that's, that's your domain. You have to go protect it. So I was, I mean, basically being a lion and protecting the fam. What, Chris? And protecting the family from ants. But we couldn't finally get the problem licked. So we had to call a local pest control guy. Pest control guy comes out. He explains it had something to do with some water runoff or something. It doesn't matter. He took care of it. And... Let me pause for a brief moment and say, I hate mosquitoes. Now, I know that doesn't exactly make me unique. There's not a single person listening to my voice just said, what? I love mosquitoes. What's wrong with you? I I get we all hate them, but I just despise them. Probably because I spent so much time in various jungles and mosquito-ridden places, I just can't take it anymore. So I've turned into my father. Basically, whenever my kids leave a door open. If for some reason they do this all the time, I will just yell. There's not even a polite thing. It is immediately, close the door. They, they know it's coming. They just start laughing and slam the door and run outside really quickly. But nobody in the house can seem to understand. The mosquitoes that get us at night, they come from outside, inside. When do they come from outside and inside? When the door is open. Therefore, when you're standing there and it's 9 trillion degrees outside and the inside is 75 with human smells in it, any mosquito in the vicinity is going to beeline for the wide open door. I have no earthly idea why this concept is so difficult for so many in my house, but nevertheless, it is the truth. So we have a test, uh, a pest control guy show up. He's standing there at the front door. Doors open. I'll tell you what happened next. Next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Don't forget, one hour from now, we have the first ever annual winner of the Jesse Kelly Show bipartisan hottest woman in Congress award. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, about one hour from now, to accept her crown. <laughs> If you have any questions, comments, send your love, hate, death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions, all those go to jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Back to my little termite uh, story real quick. Well, ant story. Pest control guy's at the door. I'm sitting in the living room. The wife's at the door talking to him. Door's open. He tries to upsell her on, on putting in some mosquito treatment. I say, no, we don't need a mosquito treatment. 
So he, he continues on trying to upsell her on other things. Eventually, I voice, all I simply said was, well, we are going to need the mosquito treatment if the door stays open any longer. <laughs> oh, the wife just burst out laughing, and she apologized to him on my behalf. <laughs> and then he chose to move along at that time. Oh, I do have some really cool news. Chris, Chris got wiped out. His credit card got stolen. Now, I say this is great news because... One, it's really not that big of a deal. It's not the end of the world when you get your credit card jacked anymore. Because the credit, listen, Chris, it's happened to me several times. The credit card companies uh, wipe it out. But did I ever tell you? Oh, I never told you about this. Oh, Chris asked me during the break, right before we came on the air, he said, I, I have some information on who's doing it. I got their info. What should I do with this? To which I responded to Chris, absolutely nothing. And this is why. Get this. You want to talk about some FBI fallout? Here, get this. I was selling RVs four or five years ago. Four, this is four or five years ago I was selling RVs. And I've always monitored closely how much money I put on a credit card. And I've never carried a balance ever month to month. I've never paid a dime of interest. Pay it off every month. Kids, pay off your credit card every month. Never go crazy with it. it just uh, That's kind of how I did it. And so I always check my bill. I check it often because you see some real sneaky things get, get, get wormed in there. All of a sudden, there was some $3,200 charge on my credit card one day. I don't put anything that's $3,200 on my credit card unless it's a vacation I can pay off right away or something like that. And I want the credit card points. I look and I find out because I have to dig in with the credit card company. It was American Express. They couldn't have been cooler about it, by the way. I dig in with the credit card company, and I find out that what he bought was some gigantic motorized fence or gate that goes back and forth over a driveway type thing. I said, what a weird thing to use somebody's credit card for. Well, I decide I'm going to do even more digging because as bad a person as I am, and you know I'm a bad person, I hate thieves. I hate them. I, I hate taking anything that isn't mine. There's something about it that, that grinds me. You could leave me $10 million in cash and come back 10 years later and not a dime on it will have been touched. Even if I need the money, I won't touch it. I don't steal. And I hate people who do steal. I'll tell you another quick story about that in a moment. But anyway, so I decide I'm digging into this because I called the cops. The cops kind of blew me off. Kind of blew me off. I called this this department. They kind of blow me off because no one was really sure how to handle it. It wasn't in this town. It wasn't because the, the fence place was in Louisiana or something like that. Finally, they give me the number for the FBI. I decide, okay, I'm not taking any chances. If I have to go to the FBI with this, the, the Houston FBI office, I'm going to make sure I do my due diligence. And I start internet sleuthing like you can't imagine. I'm getting a hold of the receipts, all the info from the fence company. I'm gathering info from the credit card company. I'm looking up phone numbers. I'm signing up for these online private investigator services so I can track down phone numbers. Long story short, here's the answer to your question, Chris, because Chris wanted to know if he should gather the info. I didn't create a piece of paper. I created a manila folder for the Federal Bureau of Investigation. In this folder, do you know what I had? I had the home address and phone number of the person who stole my credit card. I actually called and talked to him on the phone. I may or may not have threatened him at the time, but I called and talked to him on the phone. I had the dates of the transactions, the name of the fence company, and 
I found, I managed to physically drive there, I found the front business this criminal is using in Houston, had his address in a picture of the address, and I had all this information in a manila folder and walked in and handed it to the FBI, and they laughed me out of the office. They didn't even, you know what, to their credit, they didn't even pretend to be interested. Yeah, that thing got filed in the trash can five and a half seconds after I walked out the door. So whatever information you have, just throw it in the trash, pal. You, you're going to get no justice whatsoever. No justice whatsoever. I don't know how we got on this subject. Look, America is pulling apart. I, br- I bring up the national divorce a lot because I do believe in it. I do. But it is already happening. Now, no, it's not happening the way I think it should happen. I want national divorce to happen right now. Not tomorrow. Not after dinner. I want it to happen right now. I want an arbitrator. That would that should probably be me. I want what, Chris? I could be an arbitrator. I want an arbitrator to sit down in a room with the left on one side and the right on the other side. And I want us to just, let's just accept we hate each other. Let's accept like any divorce, we're each going to lose things that we want. That's, that hurts. Not everyone gets the house. Not everyone gets the dog. I get it. But let's also agree in the interest of each other's safety, we should just stop. Let's just go our separate ways here. Now, that's what I want to happen. That's the Jesse Kelly dream scenario. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I hate that. Instead, what will happen is a slow, sure descent into what's already happening. People who think like you and I think, they're leaving. Whenever they can, they're packing up, they're leaving, and they're going to be fortifying red areas. The cities, and you know I love the cities like New York, they're going to continue to descend into hell because the cities are already a disaster. Now you have some of the best people who are leaving. NYPD retirements are up 400%. That's not sustainable. You have all the cops with all the experience who are leaving the force. And they're the good cops. So you're going to have an NYPD full of turds and a crown full of, in, a, in a town full of criminals, and you're going to have all the other good people taking off. So the city's going to keep spiraling downhill while Red America gets ready. You see what I mean? The country is just going to continue to walk away from each other quickly. And the vaccination stuff doesn't happen. Doesn't help either. I'll get to that in a moment. I do want to remind anyone: it is Medal of Honor Monday. About twenty minutes from this exact moment, we sit down and we are going to read together a Medal of Honor citation. We do this every single Monday. Always have. Always will. It is important that we honor these people, that we honor their deeds, that we remember them. And it's important we hold these men up to the next generation as being the ones we want to be like, right? Headline. Now, this is Paris, so I'm going to go through a couple of these headlines. Paris prescribes prison for the unvaccinated. This is another headline. Montclair, COVID sticker mandate set to take effect for maskless city employees. Yes, that's right. Montclair, California, those who won't wear a mask must wear stickers to prove they're fully vaccinated. Okay. 
Getting a little creepy there. Headline, de Blasio going to extend citywide mask mandate for New York. What I'm saying to you is this. I'm getting email after email after email about vaccine mandates starting to take place across America. And shouldn't this creep everybody out? And if it doesn't creep you out, maybe you're one of those people who says, good, everyone should get a vaccine or, or, or you should stay home. If that doesn't creep you out, maybe it's time to re-examine exactly who you are and what you believe. Because this whole coronavirus thing from the very beginning has been the biggest mask-off moment for me when it comes to how I view people on the right in this country. It has been something. We're going to talk about this mask-off moment and why all this vaccine madness is picking up. Hang on. Miss something? There's a pot. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. And we have to get in those communities and we have to knock on those doors and we have to convince people and put them in a car and drive them and get that vaccine in their arm. That's a little creepy. (laughs) Welcome back to the Jesse Kelly Show. This vaccine stuff, I thought, and that you can say this is a naive thought, and it was. Look, in hindsight, it was. I know you're going to find this shocking. I know you think, oh, Jesse, you're the oracle. You never make mistakes. And for the most part, that's true. But I make mistakes, too. And a couple months ago, I felt like the vaccine push was wearing off. I thought that it, we had gotten to the point where they'd saturated society with it. You can't walk five feet without getting just brutalized with some vaccine signs. So everyone who wants one has had one. Maybe you've had one. Maybe you haven't. But I thought we'd reached basic saturation. I didn't think they were going to ramp it up. They're in the middle of ramping it up. They're in the middle of vaccine requirements. And right now, what you're seeing is this. You're seeing it start low and slow. What does that mean? Well, it's going to be uh, New York City workers. Now, obviously, a bunch of people listen to me in New York City, but that's not most of the audience. So a lot of you will go, okay, well, I'm not a New York City worker. Who cares? Or you'll find out it's um, an airline, empl- airline employees. Well, okay, I don't work for an airline. And what's happening is they're going to slowly but surely normalize requiring a vaccine for everywhere in the country. It is coming. Because you know what? Oftentimes these employers, they don't control things. How hard would it be to force an employer to force a vaccine on his employees? Well, here's how hard it would be. All it would take would be the insurance companies saying, hey, ah, no more health insurance for you unless your people are vaccinated. No health insurance, no business. Hey, employees, guess what? We're getting vaccinated. You see, this is the this is the extreme danger that comes when you've lost control of every part of the system. Remember, we don't even have the science community anymore. We don't have the medical community. We don't have any of it. They all exist to serve each other now. 
And so that's why it's been basically impossible to get real information during this whole time. That's why it's been impossible to get people on our side to stand up and have some guts and say no. And now look where it's gotten us. It's starting slow now. It'll be cities. It'll be the military. It'll be airlines. Sooner or later, it's coming for you. Let's get some emails. Jay Steele. Okay, you've convinced me. Now I want to run for statewide office in 2022. Good for you, my friend. Good. Go get them. The biggest barrier right now is figuring out how slash when to get the infrastructure in place. I live in a purple district with loser establishment types on the right. Things like fundraising, making a pack, even pulling a website together seem necessary, but daunting tasks for a guy who's never done something like this has two kids and a full-time job. Convince me that I'm thinking about this wrong. He said I can use his name. His name is Jake from Pennsylvania. Listen, I said on Friday, and I meant it, the right is too weak. The right cannot stop the left. They cannot stop the communists. We have a bunch of dorks and losers in our pundit class and in our politician class in this country on the right. We do. These people are not strong enough. You are. Go replace them. Go run for office. And it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be Senate or Congress. The running for state house might be the most important thing you can do right now. State house, state Senate. Maybe run for school board. The answer to your question, let me get through a couple specific things because I'm sure if my emails are, are, are any indication, I have quite a few of you who've written in after I went off on that tangent asking, how do I do it? How do I do it? One, first and foremost, you must... Must, must, when it comes to running for office, you must not look too far ahead. There are different types of people. I find this helps me personally every day of my life. I never look too far ahead. Yeah, I have some vaguely distant goals, but my goal every day, honestly, sit down here and do the best three hours I've ever done in my life. And when I walk away, if I crash my truck on the way home tonight, I'll have signed off with a good one. And I find the more I do that, the better it turns out in the end. Clearly something's working out here, but you have to run for office in that way first and foremost with that mentality. Stop thinking about the election. Stop thinking about the primary. Stop thinking about PACs and all this other stuff. Get up and go conquer the two inches in front of your face, period. The two inches in front of your face. And once you get that two inches conquered, conquer the next one and the next one. Now let's address some of your specific things. The pack. Forget about your pack. Forget about a pack at all. If it's even legal, someone else will run your pack for you. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about putting together a website right away. I guarantee if you've got two kids, they either know someone or they themselves know how to set up a website. And even if they don't, there are a trillion different website providers out there where you just look up website provider or build a website. And honestly, I've had to do this before. By the grace of God, I don't have to do it now. They have all these people that do that stuff for me. But on my life, my dad could build one. It just They couldn't make it any easier. Just click here and click there and upload a photo. You don't need a sexy website either. Get a professional-looking website. Get yourself business cards printed. Business cards printed with your website's information on it. Your next steps after that, 
Start bouncing around to your various Republican meetings in your district or area, making sure the powers that be in the Republican Party know your name, know your face. They will open up these brutally boring meetings to any candidates who want to speak. Have a two-minute speech in your back pocket. You're going to suck at it. Who cares? Go do it anyway. You'll get better and better and better, and it'll get easier as you go along. The rest of that stuff... The rest of that stuff just comes as you go. And listen, listen, I'm not your mommy. I'm not telling you you're going to win. You might get crushed. You might. You might get crushed this time and win next time. You might get crushed this time and never win again. But I promise you this much. I promise you this. As the country starts burning around you as it is now, you can have a nice thought. And I'll tell you what that thought is next. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Oh, it's going to be a good Medal of Honor Monday. It's going to be a good one, but hang on. i got to finish this real quick. The question was about running for office, and i got a few of these. I'm going to dig into these tonight. Emailed in. Wants to know, how do I get started? He's a father of two, has a job, not sure if he has time. Do what you can do. Get your website going. doesn't cost virtually anything. I think it's like 10 bucks a month. 10 bucks a month, you say, Chris? 10 bucks a month. See, I didn't look into that, but Chris did, so I'll just take credit for the information Chris dug up and act like I found it. 10 bucks a month. Get to as many meetings as you can. Get down to your Rotary Club stuff. And once again, let me tell you, I'm not telling you you're going to win. You might get creamed. You might win, though. A lot of first-timers have. But you will know this. You will know this. Every time you see something happening in politics that drives you nuts, from now, for the rest of your life, on your deathbed, you will know, I tried to do something about it. People bring up to me a lot running for Congress. Because I ran for Congress twice in Arizona back when I got out of the Marine Corps. They bring it up to me a lot and they ask, oh, do you regret it? Do you regret it? Because I lost twice. And that's not easy. I mean, it hurts when you run hard and lose. That hurts. Regret it? One, Talking to you every night for three hours a night is a lot more fun than being in Congress. I get to say whatever I want. Premier has never once told me what I can and can't say, so I get to say whatever I want, and I don't have to be away from my family for weeks on end. So, no, you couldn't pay, you couldn't pay me enough money to be in Congress right now for one, two. I at least know if I die tonight and I get off the air and drive the car off a bridge, if I die tonight... I will know I tried to make a difference. I tried. And I lost. And it was so close. The first first race was 4,000 votes. They had to recount it for a week. Sitting around with your campaign staff for a week, waiting for a phone call on the recounts. And then you have to give a speech in front of your supporters. I've had to do this twice. And they're crying. It's a bunch of little old ladies. And, and they think you're going to save the world. And they're crying. And you have to tell them, we didn't do it. We didn't make it. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's easy. It's hard. But anything worth doing is hard. And at least I'll be able to say I did it. Chris, grow up. All right. Now, let's move on to Medal of Honor Monday. The one thing we do that's decent all week on this show, we simply take a Medal of Honor citation and we read it on the air. We do it because these men deserve to be remembered. Their deeds deserve to be remembered. 
And just knowing this piece of paper exists is not enough to remember it. We have to read it. We have to listen to it. We have to marinate on it. So without further ado, let's read the Medal of Honor citation of a Mr. Robert George Cole, Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Army. For gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his own life above and beyond the call of duty on the 11th of June, 1944 in France, Lieutenant Colonel Cole was personally leading his battalion and forcing the last four bridges on the road to Carrington when his entire unit was suddenly pinned down to the ground by intense and withering enemy rifle, machine gun, mortar, and artillery fire placed upon them from well-prepared and heavily fortified positions within 150 yards of the foremost elements. After the devastating and unceasing enemy fire had for over one hour prevented any move and inflicted numerous casualties, Lieutenant Colonel Cole, observing his almost hopeless situation, courageously issued orders to assault the enemy positions with fixed bayonets. With utter disregard for his own safety and completely ignoring the enemy fire, He rose to his feet in front of his battalion and with drawn pistol shouted to his men to follow him in the assault. Catching uh, catching up a fallen man's rifle and bayonet, he charged on and led the remnants of his battalion across the bullet-swept open ground and into the enemy position. His heroic and valiant action in so inspiring his men resulted in the complete establishment of our bridgehead across the Douve River. The cool fearlessness personal bravery and outstanding leadership provided by Lieutenant Colonel Cole reflect great credit upon himself and are worthy of the highest praise in military service. Bayonets, baby. Ever tell you my bayonet story? Oh, I never told you my bayonet story. Okay. Well, we have time. Here's a quick little bayonet story before I get back into the politics. So there's something about the human mind the human mind when it comes to hurting and killing people. What I mean is it would be one thing to sit you down with a hunting rifle and teach you how to shoot a man from 200 meters away. Let's say you're doing military training. Bob, come here. Let's sit, let's sit you down. And we would put man silhouette targets out there so it would kind of look like a man and you would sit down and you would practice plinking away at him and plinking away at him and plinking away at him. Eventually, when the time came, and that was a real human being, let's say it's some dirty Chinese spy or something out there, and you get him in your sights, even if you've never hurt anybody in your life before, there's a good chance you're going to be able to pull that trigger. He's far enough away, it creates a distance in your mind. Bayonets are not like that. Proximity has everything to do with how much killing affects human beings. And they've written a bunch of books on this. Psychologists have broken this down. There is something about being stabbed and or stabbing somebody that is uniquely horrific in the human mind. I don't know why it is. I'm sure it's something primal and ancient in us, but it is an absolute fact. We were in Najaf in Iraq. Now, I don't expect any of those words to mean anything to you, so allow me to explain. We, my Marine Corps unit, we fought the war, went up, finally won. Of course, we don't get to go home when we won. We have to stay, and of course, we ended up staying forever, but this is at the very beginning of it. So we go down to this place called Najaf. 
There were a bunch of people angry at all times. That's part of what made it so dangerous is you didn't know who wanted you dead. You didn't know who wanted you dead today that you were having tea with the day before. I mean, you just don't know. There are so many different factions and militias and terrorist groups, and these people were mad about this, and these people were mad about that. So it was an, an interesting time, to put it mildly. Well, eventually, the mayor of this town comes under severe threat. I mean, it's hard to be a leader uh, a mayor, a governor, anything like that, when another nation really occupies your nation? Because then what are you? Are you the lackey who works for the occupying nation? You know, it's just difficult. And I don't know, the mayor may have been a world-class scumbag. I actually never met the guy. But we they decided they needed a unit of us to go guard his mansion. He had like this compound type thing. It really wasn't much of a compound, let me tell you. But they called it a compound. We are over there. And I believe I'm going to have these numbers wrong. Daggone it. I should have called a buddy before the show. I'm going to have these numbers wrong, but I think there were about two platoons of us. That means there's about 60 guys, 60, 70 Marines over there. And I mean, we're as heavily armed as it gets. We're all infantry Marines. So we know what we're doing. We have, we have, we're, we're set up pretty well. Well, we get word, uh, Hey, everybody get up, everybody on post. There is a massive, violent riot coming your way. And we're thinking, oh, gosh, here we go. And it's hot. You know, it's, 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 it's boiling hot. And leading up to the main gate into the mayor's house, there's probably a half mile long, maybe three-quarter mile long. Shoot, it could be five miles now. I don't remember. I'm doing all this from memory. It was 15 freaking years ago. Give me a break. Anyway, it was this long dirt road. And the protesters have to come down that road to get to the mansion. And soon, we're standing at the front gate, and around the corner they come. And we didn't have a good idea of how many we were talking about here. We thought, 20, 30? I mean, how, how bad can this be? And they just poured in and kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming. And they have the, it, it's just this sea of people. It turned out it was about 4,000 people. And remember, there aren't that many of us here. So we are stood, we're stood right there at the gate. They're not allowed by. Only there's not really a gate. It's just the, the entryway of the road. So we're standing there in a line. They are standing there 10 feet away from us, screaming at us, doing the threatening throat slashing sign. And what came next is not something I will forget anytime soon. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Yes, I'll continue my story here in a second. Don't forget, 10 minutes from now, the winner of the first annual Jesse Kelly Show Hottest Women of Congress contest, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert will join us to discuss her crown, what she plans on doing with the winnings. Chris, are there winnings? Do we don't have winnings? Can we send her like some baseball cards or something? I don't know. We'll send her something, man. We have, to, we have a reputation to uphold. I'll tell you what we're gonna. I'll tell you what we'll do. We're gonna get a Jesse Kelly Show Hottest Woman in Congress certificate made, and we're gonna get. No, listen to me. Hear me out. We'll get it with my face on it, and from now on, we'll mail it to the Congresswoman with whoever wins it. Chris, what? I'm sorry. I'm trying to bring the country together. Anyway, back to my story. I was telling the story before the break. We're in Iraq. We're guarding this mayor's mansion. There's about 60 Marines there, and a group of 4,000 protesters come up. 
Because there's a difference in, in the people's minds when it comes to how weapons work and what it does to the human psychology. That's really how we started this whole thing, the difference in the bayonet and, and shooting someone from far away. Well, if these protesters attack us, we're all going to die. There's just too many of them. Obviously, we'll get plenty of them, but we're all going to die. Now, that's creating quite a situation because you can't exactly leave. So we have, in one of the craftier moves, our, I believe it was our battalion commander, if I remember right, our battalion commander gets behind us. He gets behind us, so we're in between him and the protesters, and he gets up on this, this Hummer, and it had one of the big loudspeakers on it, and he says with a translator, hey, I know you think there are only you know 60 Marines or whatnot here, but we have a 1,000 Marines hidden in the field behind you. We did not have any Marines hidden in the field behind us. We have a 1,000 Marines hidden in the field behind you. You will disperse now or you're all going to die. And after he says that, he tells us, and we didn't know this was coming, he tells us, fix bayonets. And we're all like, I'm sorry? Okay. I mean, I'm certainly not going to refuse a sweet order like that. If I have to die, I want to die with a bayonet on my weapon. And we did. And we had previously been facing 4,000 really, really angry people. Violently angry. Bayonets go on. The crowd slowly turns and walks away. There's something about stabbing that is just uniquely horrible to people. They can't get the image out of their minds. I'm excited to talk to Lauren Boebert next, Chris. What? I think it's important. I'm sorry we're bringing the country together. It's better than these vaccine people. Did you see this guy? This, I mean, people are getting... Creepy is probably an overused word. People are going to a place so quickly when it comes to the vaccine. There's a guy, Dan Hodges, online. He is... Who is he? He's a, a politician or a, a pundit. He said, quote, this is the exact quote, the anti-vaxxers have had their fun. They're now engaged in open incitement to murder. It's time for arrests, prosecutions, and serious jail time. That's a real quote. Now, I don't want to just pick on Dan Hodges, and in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have given out his name on the air. Uh, just don't go, don't go online mobbing the guy because I happen to give out his name. But I will say this, and I, I've, I've used this example before. I want you to understand something here. And this is hard for you and I to understand, but it's true. The American communists, they're just like all communists. They're no different than communists have always been. They know they're the good guys. They know it deep down. Why do you think so much misery and death follows communism wherever it goes. The reason is the people doing the killing, the people doing the destroying, the people doing the hurting, they think they're morally right. Mao killed 70 million Chinese people. Not even 70 million enemy. That would be one thing. 70 million of his own people didn't lose a moment of sleep didn't express even the tiniest amount of regret at any point in his life. I've told you before, Pol Pot killed 25% of the population of Cambodia. That would be like killing 
75 million Americans, 75 million gone. Pol Pot was asked later on in life, any regrets? He said, no, I'm not a violent man. What are you talking about? These vaccine people are heading that way quickly. I don't understand it. I need somebody to somebody to help me understand how you go full totalitarian. Okay, if you're that scared of coronavirus, I get it. That's fine. It's a daily disease. No judgment here. Go get vaccinated. And if, if you trust the vaccine and you're scared of it, go. But once you're vaccinated, why do you care if anyone else is vaccinated? Ever. I, I can't wrap my mind around it. What, what am I missing here? What do you care? You know why you care? Because you don't want to feel alone. You want to feel like you did something that everyone else did. That's what the difference is. All right. Let's get some more emails here. Dear Oracle, you generally speak the truth, but you are wrong about women wearing flats and Birkenstocks. That is your opinion. Please admit you're wrong. And she puts a bunch of laugh faces in there. She's not mad. If you ever had to wear heels, you would agree with me that flats are great. I'm not some crazy woman liver, just a professional female who has lots of experience in these things. Please let your women listeners know it's okay to wear flats. Love your show and listen all the time on iHeartRadio. She didn't say I could use her name, so I'm not going to. Look, lady, hear me out. I know your flats are comfortable. I have never once questioned the comfort of flats. Flats are extremely indicative of where we are as a nation where men have become too scared and weak to say the truth. So now they won't say the truth, especially to women. And then women end up believing lies. Flats are the ugliest, least flattering thing I've ever seen in my life. Yet you won't get that. Why? Because her husband's too scared to say anything to her. Her boss at work is too scared to say, young lady, that looks like garbage. Go home and put some stinking heels on. And a woman's girlfriends want her to be ugly because women always want everyone around them to be uglier than they are. So that's what, when you show your flats to your girlfriends, they know they look like crap, but they look and say, oh my gosh, those are so cute on you. You should absolutely chop all your hair off too and get a crew cut. You look so cute. And no, I'm totally not doing this for your because I want your boyfriend. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's what it is. It has become this horrible infection. I don't wear sweatpants to work, and I could. I'm on the radio. I don't wear sweatpants to work. Oh, they're comfortable. Why shouldn't I wear sweatpants? Because they look like crap, and they're unprofessional. And Birkenstocks, I actually... I don't have as big of a problem with Birkenstocks. I get it. And I look, I understand flats. You want to be comfy. I've always said this, though. She shows up in flats, fellas. You go right back inside and throw on your sweatpants. And if she says why, say, what? I thought we were just doing comfortable tonight. I thought how we looked didn't matter at all. Well, we're going to talk to our winner. The winner of the hottest congresswoman in America, Lauren Boebert, joins the show next. What's she think about flats? Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Monday, and uh, sadly, we must disappoint you now. I know what you're saying. Jesse, you could never disappoint me. Sadly, our winner of the hottest congresswoman in Congress cannot join us because Nancy Pelosi still has her on the House floor doing votes. 
So if she gets out of there in time, she'll join us a little later on. Until then, you just get me. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com is the email address. Email your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I also have a phone number I could give out so you could call into the show. We could do this thing where we talk live on the air, and you can't have it. You can't have it. I am considering maybe giving it out someday this week. For now, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You're going to get on the phone, and I'm going to say, go ahead, Sarah. Go ahead and talk. And you're going to say, hi, Jesse. Uh, Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. I really love the show. I know, Sarah. What's the point? Answer the phone. When I go to you, get right to the point, or we'll go away from you. All right. I love when Democrats say the quiet part out loud. We're blanked. Uh, he, He used an inappropriate word that begins with F. We're blanked with election integrity laws in 18 states. Oh, that's. That's not nice. CEO of the Stacey Abrams-founded New Georgia Project. I don't know how to say this name, Chris. The first name is spelled N-S-E. The last name is U-F-O-T. Do I want to take a shot at that? Yes, you fought. I think that's probably right. Anyway, the direct quote is this. If there isn't a way for us to repeat what happened in November 2020, we're blanked. Hmm. That's weird. What what do you think she could mean by that? If we can't repeat what happened in November 2020, they're in trouble. I don't understand. I I guess I don't understand what happened because I've been told 2020 was the most secure election in the history of mankind. I've been told this repeatedly. So I don't. I don't know how new election laws have forcing you to show ID. Why would that matter if the election was already secure? I mean, the last one was on the up and up. I don't understand what happened. You see what I'm getting at? I've never understood ever why the system makes its corruption so obvious. You make your corruption obvious by how much you insist I say your corruption is on the up and up. I wouldn't have even, to be totally frank, I saw all the weird internet videos you did on election night. I was covering election night live on my show on the first. I have a show every night on the first TV, 9 p.m., my TV show. And I had to do like four or five hours of live coverage, and I didn't have some special insight that you that you have or that you didn't have. I'm sitting there watching like you do weird videos, and things are happening. And I probably would have blown it off, though. There was probably enough smoke there. I would have watched a little. I probably would have blown it off. But then this insistence that everybody say it's the most secure election ever. Don't you question the election. We will ban you from social media. Make sure this is the best. This is the best election ever. What? And then it went beyond that. It went way beyond that. Now we're having people threaten it. Their jobs are being threatened if they question the election. It's now got half the right will tell you it's the most. Okay, I'm getting weirded out. Democrats haven't done a single thing to try to prove to you that the election was actually secure. They've done a million things trying to shut you up. And remember H.R. 1, that national bill they're trying to get passed through Congress? The bill that makes all the... uh, 
loosey-goosey election rules and makes them all permanent for all 50 states. Gee, I wonder why they did that. It's probably just because they care so much about the integrity of elections, right? Gosh. Dr. Jesse, first, totally agree on your take about giving out the studio phone number. Please don't. Let's be honest. We tune in to hear you, not the callers. And you're exactly right. All that hi, I love your show, long-time listener, first-time caller jabber would take away from you. No one wants that. My, that's my only point. It's, and it's not that you're a bad person. It's that you're going to bore the audience to death. You're going to bore the audience to death by being nice. You see, I have a great aid. I don't pretend to be uh, king of the radio or anything like that. I'll leave that for other people. But one thing has helped me a lot in my TV and radio career, and that's that I don't, f- I don't care about your feelings. I don't feel this shame that other people feel, and I don't care about being rude. You care about it. That's why you're going to suck if I let you on the phones because you're trying to be nice. But when I let you on the air, we're not having a phone conversation. We're not having a phone conversation. You, you've got a very brief time to get your point. And here's what's going to happen now. Now people, since I've been yelling about it for so long, they're going to be so nervous about making their point right away, they won't be able to get their point out. Just calm down. Make your point. I'll let you finish your sentence. Probably, unless it's stupid. Anyway, continue. I'm writing because I have a question about your national divorce idea. I see people on the right supporting it, but I question if the left would go for it. Why would they want to give up anything when they're winning? They control the media, education, Hollywood, big tech, corporations, our intelligence agencies, and to a degree, our military. Why would they relinquish anything, be it land or natural resources or whatever? I just don't see commies compromising. I see them converting as many as possible and using force against those who buck the system. Now, I've had this a lot. And I will tell you, well done, lady. You, you have a good idea of the mentality of communists. I'm, I'm glad America is waking up to the mentality of these people. And normally I would say she's right. No, they would never let us go. The communist only sees things he hasn't destroyed or dominated yet. It has to be for the whole world. It's, just, it's a sick religion, so it has to be for everyone. Normally I would agree. However, there is one thing and one thing only that gives me some hope on that front. What is that one thing? Well, every tyrant in history, be it Mao, Stalin, Hitler, any of them, any tyrant in history has understood completely. If you really want to seize total power, and I don't mean president of the United States, I mean total power, where you do what you want, your word is the law, you just it, life is whatever you want it to be. When you want that kind of total power, You can't ever, 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 ever hope to get there unless you have disarmed your opposition. The opposition must be totally disarmed. We're not disarmed yet. I'm not done on this. I'll tell you where I'm going with it. It's actually a peaceful thing, so hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and we're talking about these national divorce people. Why? The question was, why would the left let us go? They wouldn't let us go. Listen, 
they're not going to want to let us go. Nobody's going to be happy about this. I have people on the right coming in and saying things like, well, I don't think we should give them California. I don't think we should give them California either. California is sweet. But hear me out. The left is going to be in a bind at some point in the country because they'll never be able to finalize total plans until we're disarmed. And while, yes, Americans have completely lost the, the touch we used to have with our founding and what liberty meant and all these other things, and, and we don't care enough about politics anymore, and all those things are true. That's true. But one thing that is still deeply embedded in the DNA of Americans is the love of weapons. We have lots of them. Lots of weapons, lots of ammunition. When the communist doesn't have the monopoly on the use of force, that's the only time in history the communist has ever had to renegotiate. The left does not have the monopoly on the use of force in America. There are simply, there's 150 million gun owners. 150 million. And they own 400 million guns. I think that's the number. It's a lot. And that's not counting the ammunition that... They just never got around to doing the one thing they probably should have been more focused on. And don't get me wrong, I'm not ripping on them, although I hate them. They've been wildly, wildly successful, rotting out and taking over all the cultural institutions. And they want the guns. Did you hear what this idiot Chipman said? David Chipman, the guy who might be heading up our ATF? Listen to what this scumbag had to say. The frustration is, is in the United States, um, uh, the freedom of speech and to say things is largely uh, cannot be regulated. But yes, we have to do more to monitor hate speech on the Internet. But we also have to do more um, to curb that same speech being presented by our president and other elected public officials. Um, the FBI, uh, other federal agencies have a tough job responding to these threats when they don't currently have the authority to remove weaponry just because people are saying hateful things. They want the guns. They want the guns badly. They know they need the guns. I do believe, and I've always believed this, that's going to be a push for Democrats but I've never believed it's going to take place during the Biden administration. Yes, he's going to try to get some anti-gun nutball like David Chipman. He's going to try to get that guy in the head honcho seat of the ATF. They're going to try to chop away at this and chop away at that. And Joe Biden's been up there several times saying all the stupid Joe Biden stuff he normally says. Uh, you shouldn't have a 120-round clip and all this other idiotic stuff. He says this stuff a lot. So I think they're going to always pay lip service to it. However, I don't think they're ever going to be able to do it during Joe Biden's presidency. They just simply, they don't have that much juice left. So be happy about that. Be happy about that. Look, there's plenty of bad news out there. Be happy they're not in a place to really lock down any significant gun control. And until they lock down significant gun control, the gulags aren't getting built. Oh, they'd love to, but they just can't do that yet. They can't do it. Exclusive. Over half of COVID hospitalizations tested positive after admission. Vast numbers are being classed as hospitalized by COVID when they were admitted with other ailments with the virus picked up by routine testing. You know, 
Let's have an uncomfortable talk. I mean, we do that from time to time, as you know. Let's have an uncomfortable talk here. Do we even talk about all the COVID deaths in America accurately anymore? Because here's what I do know, and I know this for a fact. This is not secondhand. I didn't read this in an article somewhere. These are people I know have been, have been admitted to hospitals for various reasons during the last year and a half. Some good, some not so good. Been admitted for various reasons, and almost to a man, every one of those people was forced to take a COVID test multiple times until they tested positive. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? These stories nurses tell me, why do you think that is? We don't even talk about the fact that coronavirus is obviously deadly, certainly if you're old, certainly if you're super fat, because your, your, your body doesn't process oxygen as well if you're super fat. And this is a, something that attacks your lungs. It's a cardiovascular you know, nightmare down there. But how many people died from coronavirus that we were told died from coronavirus actually died from something else? What if this gigantic thing is a con job and an insurance scam? And no, I'm not saying the virus is fake. I've never said that. I think we lose sight of some of the things we were talking about early on. Remember, doctors and nurses were coming out right away saying, whoa, this guy didn't die from coronavirus. He died from something else. He happened to have coronavirus when he died, but he didn't die from that. How did we get so far away from that? Anyway, I do want to play you this real this this clip right here. It's a little tough to hear. Sorry about the audio, but this is your commander in chief. What? Must be what? what? Uh, Chris, could you could you do me a favor, really quick, Chris? Because I, I I thought I might have heard that wrong. Would you play that for me one more time, please? What? Must be what? Okay, we didn't edit that, did we? Did he? Did he say my butt's been wiped in response? My butt's been wiped. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and stop that there. In case you thought that was the weirdest thing Joe Biden said to a reporter in the last 48 hours, wow, would you be wrong? Chris, go ahead and play number one for me, please. Are there people in the Republican Party who think we're sucking the blood out of kids? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. In case you couldn't under, under, understand what he just said there, he said she asked him uh, a different question. And he said back to her, are there people in the Republican Party who think we suck blood out of kids? Chris, would you play this for me one more time, please? Are there people in the Republican Party who think we're sucking the blood out of kids? Is Joe Biden okay? Are we allowed to look? Are we allowed to ask if Joe Biden's okay? I'm looking at a headline here from Ronnie Jackson. He's the ex-White House doc. He said Joe Biden's going to be forced to resign. Said he's terrified for the country. Quote, he's completely lost it. He said he needs a cognitive exam now. And look, he did this thing where he snapped at a reporter again, too. Did you, Chris play this? Veterans Affairs is going to have a mandate. You are such a pain in the neck, but I'm going to answer your question because you've known each other for so long. It has nothing to do with Iraq. Why does he get so snappy all the time? Why does he say weird things all the time? I think I know. I mean, I, are we allowed to talk about the president's mental state? You ever know somebody 
Who had dementia? You ever know someone who has dementia? How were the irritability problems? Fits of rage. They call people names. Their loved ones call people names. Just out of the blue at the weirdest times. They would say things like sucking the blood out of kids in the weirdest times. And I'm not saying this. this for once, I'm not saying this to make fun of Joe. Although I do love making fun of Joe. I'm saying this because I don't think we should lose sight of the fact this is the leader of the free world. We kind of need, look, Democrat or not, we kind of need him to have it together a little bit. I need you to I need you to not be I need you to not be who you are, Joe. Alright. You're gonna love this. Cuomo going all in. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show final hour. Don't worry, we still have a whole hour left. We still have a third of the show left. I know this show is what, Chris? This show is the nectar that keeps people going. That's what I am for people. Jesse, nectar, Kelly. We just got another one. <laughs> Did you see this? I saw this and it, it's obviously not a huge issue. We'll get back to the important stuff here in a minute. But Germany's female gymnasts are wearing full-body unitards in a stand against the, quote, sexualization of the sport. One, remember, I'm the guy who said there shouldn't be any male coaches of these young female athletes ever. Again, my wife was a high, high, high-level gymnast. I've been hanging out with her gymnast friends for a long time. You can't imagine the stories they pretty much all have. It's not good for grown men to hang around with teenage girls in swimsuits. It's your, your swim coach, too. Same thing. But setting all that aside, I always love this when you get female athletes saying stuff like this. It, it just it, it blows me away. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the actress who, when she's younger, in her 20s, has some films that really going to be rated R. You can't go see with the kiddos. And then she hits her 40s, hits her 50s, starts to get a little older, and then starts campaigning against the exploitation of women in movies now that she's worth $150 million. This is, this is also equivalent to LeBron James pretending he's a civil rights leader. Understand what you are. And listen, nobody wants to talk about this, and especially not athletes, because athletes do work so hard. Sex appeal is part of sports. You know that, right? It's a bunch of super in-shape dudes playing or a bunch of super in-shape women playing. Sex appeal is part of the reason people love sports. Fellas, I got news for you. The reason she doesn't mind going to the baseball game with you ain't because of the hot dogs. All right? Sex appeal is part of sports. You can own it and acknowledge it. Look at your... Look at you know what? Forget about national, even though that would apply too. Look at your no, your local news. Have you seen the women on your local news? Now I've bounced around the country a lot, and I'm not kidding. It might be the hottest group of women in the United States of America. Local news anchors. There are there are like ten here in Houston locally. They seriously, they all look like supermodels. Do you think those are all the best journalists out there? Do you think if it was just graded on journalism, you would pick those women? 
don't be ridiculous. Of course not. Now, granted, most of them are talented. Most local reporters are talented. It's the national ones who are idiots. But that's part of the job. And it, I always laugh when I see these famous female journalists start whining about that part of it, too. Ah, they just said they want to be on there for my looks. Yeah, lady, why do you think you're on there? Why do you think that it's a television product? Why do you think the dudes are all handsome and the women are all hot? Because when you're looking at something on TV, you want to look at something more appealing. But but athletes take their sport, and nobody works harder than gymnasts, so I get it, but they take their sport so seriously, they totally miss the point. You don't, you don't understand the point of why you're out there. No, LeBron, I don't want to hear your political thoughts. Here's a basketball. Go dribble it around and dunk on somebody. Run along. Be good at what you're good at. What is this desire for everybody in the world to be a thought leader? If you were to write me an email right now and say, Jesse, uh, I listen to every radio show you do and watch every TV show you do. You're the best, but uh, I only I only watch because I think you're handsome. Everything else sucks. I don't care. Just watch. I don't care. I'm not trying to be some thought leader here. I don't care why you watch. I don't care why you listen. I want you to watch and listen and enjoy yourself. We... We don't tell, we don't give people honesty. Very early on, we start lying to our kids. We start lying to ourselves. And that's part of the reason we have such a mixed up society of people who don't know what's right and what's wrong. We just, we do. It's all messed up. Dr. Jesse, you've motivated me. This was on the 23rd. I was listening to your show on my drive home when you started talking about regular Joes taking on the Republican establishment running for office. Yes, do it. Go. Like you, I'm a military veteran, Navy, so kind of, I guess. Oh, quit. I'm kidding. Who's now back home working for the family construction business. I haven't made anything official, but after much prayer and discussion with my family, my church, and my job, I decided last week to run for Texas' 8th Congressional District. Situation is a little different. There will be no incumbent Republican with Kevin Brady retiring. I still feel like it might be a steep uphill fight. I am an unknown with no money, no name, and no connections. But you reminded me tonight that even though I have these against me, the battle must be fought. I wouldn't be able to look at myself in the mirror if I didn't fight for the things I know will make this country and the nation we love and fought for a beacon of freedom, liberty, and rugged individualism. I might not win. There are a lot of people running in this race, many with much more money and connections than I have. But the battle is worth fighting. Thank you for what you do. Grace and peace. No, 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 no. You're the one doing the work, not me. Thank you. That's one. Two, you might lose. Like I said earlier, I got a bunch of these emails. You inspired me. I'm running. You inspired me. I'm running. I'm not telling you you're going to win, but you might win. And even if you lose, and if you never, ever run again, and I hope you do run again if you lose, if, if you get an appetite for it, if you run for something, anything, and you, and you lose, on your deathbed, you will be able to look around at the state of the country and say, I tried. I stepped up and I tried to do something about it. And these emails make me so proud because, like I told you, don't think the people who were there, your state house, state senate, Congress, senate, president, don't think these people were special. These people were morons. These people were spineless losers. You're the one that knows what the country needs. The regular people. Regular people are what the country needs. You. 
oh, I'm just a I'm just a housewife. Get your housewife butt out there and run for office when you can after dinner's made. Fellas, I'm busy. I'm working. I know you're busy. I don't expect you to kill yourself. Try once a week, twice a week. Get out to a meeting. Do something. You might just find it's worth it. You might just find that you're good at it. You know, I had never given speeches until I started running for Congress ever. I'd never given a speech. Uh, it was just not something that came up. Now, you have to give little presentations in the Marine Corps when you're a non-commissioned officer and things like that. So it's not like I'd never spoken in front of people. And it was something I was always pretty comfortable with. But I'd never gotten up and given some kind of a speech. Wife tells me first time she saw me do it, her jaw hit the floor. She said, who in the heck did I marry? I had no idea that person was even in there. Because, again, I don't like to talk much. If you see me outside of here, I won't talk. I'll just be very quiet. That's how I am. You might find out you're good at it. You might find out also, and this might have been the best part of running for office, you might find out there are a bunch of people in your area who believe exactly what you believe and you just hadn't run into them yet. I still talk to people who were on that campaign of mine, just diehard volunteers who would have laid down in traffic for the cause. Maybe you should run for office for no other reason than the fact you feel alone. You're not alone. There are millions and millions and millions of people who think just like you. Jesse, my boyfriend talked me into listening to your show a few months ago. I don't know much about politics, and I used to consider myself as a left-leaning person. Not so much these days. I want to educate myself better on understanding the basics of communism and socialism and how a threat they are to this country. I don't know where to start. Can you help me out with that? Actually... I believe we can help you out with that. Bear with me just a moment. We are working on something on the Jesse Kelly Show. I'll tell you about it in a second. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com It is the Jesse Kelly Show. And yes, this, this Dr. Fauci stuff. We'll get to the Fauci stuff in just a second. But first... The question was, you know, starting to figure out politics, wanting to learn about communism, socialism, and these evils and things like that. I have decided, I just decided it here on the fly, because we get asked the question so much, I've decided we're going to come up with a little reading list for the Jesse Kelly Show website. Don't go there right now, because you're not going to find it. I just came up with the idea like 30 seconds ago, but we're going to come up with a reading list for it. Also, quick side note, the history podcast, which should have dropped on Friday or Saturday, did not because we're having a, a, an issue at the moment. Don't worry. There's no hold up on the podcast. The issue is we're creating a separate feed for it. So it's essentially going to be its own history podcast standalone. Now, you'll still be able to find it in the regular feed. Don't worry on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. But we're creating a separate one for that for people who are just history buffs and don't want to hear me blather on about these things. Chris, do you see this? Anthony Fauci defends U.S. funding coronavirus research at Wuhan lab. I'm not going to go into everything he had to say. I was going to play you some Fauci audio, but honestly, if I never hear that guy's voice again, it'll be too soon. So let's just set that aside. One thing that floors me about our current troubles here in America, how much we funded all of them. We paid for all this. Isn't this insane to think about? This whole coronavirus thing? That's our money. 
That's, that's our money given to the scumbags in China who weaponized it and either accidentally or otherwise turned it loose on their on their enemy. We paid for it. We pay for so much of this scum. You can't imagine if you ever dig through, I don't recommend you do this unless you're a huge nerd, but if you ever dig through the budget and find out the different groups and places we send money, so many of the places we send money are honest. They're quite openly left-wing causes. They're communist groups and they take your tax dollars and they send them to these groups. We fund our own destruction here. It is wild to think about. Absolutely wild for me. Gosh, I can't believe. And Dr. Fauci, 400 large last year. Dude was the highest paid federal government employee last year. And he's still out there raking it in. Gosh, this freaking guy. Handsome Jesse. Now, that's a nice way to start an email. Chris, what? On behalf of all the homemaker women, thank you for the segment you did on Thursday's show in support of us. For the first 10 years of my marriage, I worked outside of the home in a career I loved, but I constantly felt the tug to be home with my children. Now for over six years, I've been home full-time and can honestly say I feel more fulfilled as a woman. I refuse to feel embarrassed or ashamed that I'm not producing a paycheck. What could be more rewarding than taking care of your own children and home? My husband is killing it at his job and regularly affirms my contribution to our family by saying he's able to be more productive at work because he knows our children are taken care of and I'm handling the home front. There's a huge financial benefit for a mother to be at home. Keep up the good work, Jesse. We housewives love to listen to your wisdom while we cook for our husband in heels and not flats, of course. <laughs> One, that's hilarious. Two. I've had a lot of these emails. Ladies, I'm not telling you what to do with your life. I never would. I never would. You want to go be a CEO of, of Coca-Cola? You go, knock, go knock yourself out. I don't care. It's not my business. I will simply say this. Don't let society shame you out of staying home. You want to go be career woman, hear me roar? Go ahead. Go ahead. Please. Go ahead. You want to stay home? And you know what? What that lady said was right because we've had plenty of times in our marriage where the wife kind of had to work. We had to make ends meet. And it is harder for me at work when she also has to work. And there were times, plenty of times, where it actually affected my work. She had something she absolutely had to do or had to be at and couldn't get out. And now I have to leave 15 minutes early because I have to go for this. The peace of mind that comes with knowing everything outside of here is taken care of. So I can just forget about everything outside of here while I'm here. You can't, you can't put a price on that peace of mind. Hunter Biden's art dealer said he wanted to be the lead guy in China in 2015. Let's, let's dig into this real quick. This is from foxnews.com. Georges Burges. I'm assuming I said that right. He's an art guy. I don't know. His name's probably George Brown, and he had to change it to something weird. George, I don't know, Chris. Georges Burges, who is representing Hunter Biden as he ventures into the art world, has talked about his business dealings in China in the past, but his reported ties could pose an ethics issue as he sells Biden's art to anonymous buyers. A representative for Burgess previously told Fox News the sales of Biden's art will be kept confidential. 
The White House says they have an ethics plan in place to ensure the president's son doesn't know who the buyers are. Yeah, I'm sure they're really great at keeping secrets. Don't worry, guys. The ethics team in Joe Biden's White House, they're all over it. Okay. Berger said in a 2015 interview with Resident that he wanted to be the art world's leader in China. Quote, My plan is to be the lead guy in China, the lead collector and art dealer discovering and nurturing talent from that region. I plan to find and discover and bring to the rest of the world those I consider China's next generation of modern arts. Which brings us back to the problems you and I have had with this Hunter Biden stuff from the very beginning. No, it's not because Hunter Biden wakes up and has crack cereal for breakfast. That's not what I'm talking about. The problem is he is the son of the president of the United States of America. How he conducts himself, the people he's in business with, they do matter more. No, you you can't do that thing where, oh, it's outside of politics. It's separate. All that's separate from politics. No. Oftentimes, people separate from your job are still important for your job. If the wife, instead of staying at home, if she worked in a windowless building servicing truckers at 2 a.m. in the dark side of town, it would be a problem for my employer, understandably. Sometimes people you're associated with do matter a lot. The fact that the president of the United States of America's son has some really dirty business dealings The fact that he is drugged out, and again, that's not me personally judging him. I don't do that. I don't look down on people. Hope he gets some help. The fact that he is drugged out, and the fact that he's now selling crappy art for 500000 bucks a pop, and we don't know who he's selling it to, is a big deal. It is a really, really, really big deal. I mean, picture uh, the Cold War, the head of the Cold War, and let's say JFK had a son. At the height of the Cold War. And uh, wait a minute. He's he's doing a bunch of business with the Soviets on the side? That's kind of weird. And wait, now he's he's making art and some anonymous guy is just stroking these huge checks for this crappy art that isn't worth anything? Those those aren't Soviets writing those checks, are they? Uh, can, we ha- can we have some information? Can you imagine what would have happened back then? Instead, what do we get? We get crickets. We get PolitiFact lying through their teeth. Oh, wait till you hear this lie. Hang on a second. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I love, I love the invention of fact checkers in politics. I mean, it's, it, honestly, it's one of the more brilliant moves the commies ever did. Because the whole communist religion is based on lies. Everything has to be a lie. You must lie and then lie about the lies and then lie about lying about the lies and then take off to the gulags anybody who challenges those lies. So they were, they were constantly – that's been the huge battle for communism while it tried to gain a foothold here in America. It's all based on lies. I mean we showed you that report uh, – uh, poll that was taken just a little while ago. The number one issue – for Democrats in the United States of America, and it was number one by a significant margin. In their minds, the biggest issue facing the country was 
white supremacy. White supremacy does not exist in any organized form at all in the United States of America anymore. In fact, if you're if you were to even make a joke sounding like there's a slight chance you might be a white supremacist. Goodbye job, goodbye wife, goodbye everything. Your life is destroyed. They'd walk around, they'd stamp Nazi on your forehead just so you could never enter society again. There's nothing less acceptable in the country than being a white supremacist. It has been completely shamed and eradicated out of the society, and half the country thinks that's the biggest problem we're facing. So the communists know they have to use the lie. They came up with something brilliant. Why don't we just create fact checkers that will pretend like they're bipartisan, and then they'll say our lies are truth. I love this. This is a great find by Newsbusters. PolitiFact tags it false that Biden and Harris distrusted COVID-19 vaccines in 2020. Except we have them on video. We have them on video. Quote, if public health professionals like Dr. Fauci tell us we should take it, I'll be the first to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Here's another quote. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it and only if we knew what all went into it. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that need to be done and trials that are needed to be done. There are more and more and more quotes on there. Why don't we all just step up and admit what happened here? Coronavirus was a real disease. It hit our shores And 15 minutes after it got here, Democrats figured out this is the thing we can use to destroy Trump's presidency and win and stop his reelection campaign. Coronavirus, it would be a fraction as big of a deal today as it currently is if a Democrat had been president when it hit our shores. That's a fact. The media saw a potential disaster a potential crisis. They knew a Republican president would be blamed for it, and them and their Democrats' allies dove all in to make this thing out to be the worst thing in the world, to make Trump out to be the biggest, monstrous, non-caring idiot in the world, and they did it all for power. And I want you to remember this about these people before I get. I have some more emails to get to. I want you to remember this about these people. They stopped life-saving medications. Remember that? Don't believe me? You can go look it up. There were plenty of doctors and nurses out there saying, hey, I'm giving people this with great success, and I'm giving people with that with great success. And just so Donald Trump couldn't get any coronavirus wins, Democrat governors and mayors put a stop to those medications. What does that mean? Well, it means it's another wake-up call for you and I. How committed is the communist? Well, they watched your grandma die in her own lung fluid so they could win an election. That's how committed they are. That's how insidious these people are. Remember that guy I read to you earlier, the guy I found online who was talking about vaccinated people should be persecuted and prosecuted and jailed and all this other stuff. 
Remember this. That guy thinks he's the good guy. That guy thinks he's the good guy. He goes home at night, and that guy thinks to himself, I have done the Lord's work today. And if that guy was able to, if he was really given the power to go out and find unvaccinated people, you'd all be in federal prison for the rest of your lives. And he wouldn't lose a minute of sleep over it. He would still go home, having ripped you out of your child's arms. He would still go home that night, lay his head down, close his eyes, and fall fast asleep, perfectly comfortable that he's serving the right God. That's who these people are. Hello, great oracle, shaman of the radio. Chris, what's a shaman? Like a medicine guy? I could be a medicine guy. What, Chris? I could figure it out. Anyway, as every man knows, it's our duty to pay for women on dates. But what about first dates, especially blind first dates? What's the etiquette here? I personally think that on a first date, she can pay for herself, especially if the date goes poorly. Nothing is more awkward than when the check comes around and you're not sure whether to pay or not. This sounds like a conundrum only the Shogun can solve. What do you think? Okay. Chris, I think everyone's well aware on what you think about paying, so we're going to set aside your opinion now for the time being. Fellas, hear me out. You can hear me well. I understand when you're a young buck trying to find yourself a dime, it can get expensive. I mean, dating gets expensive, and look, we're not made of money, right? Especially when you're young, especially when you're, shoot, late teens, early 20s. You haven't really, for the most part, picked up on a major successful career yet. And a dinner out that costs 100 bucks that's not unreasonable, right, Chris? 100 bucks It's not unreasonable at all? Some basic restaurant, Applebee's, you're not going to pay those prices at Red Lobster. But still, a normal dinner out for two, it's a lot of money. 100 bucks serious cheddar for a man in his early 20s especially if it's for a blind date, especially if it's for a blind date that doesn't go well. However, guys, hear me out here. Look, and look, I'm the one on your side, fellas. Remember, I'm the one telling them to put all their flats in a big pile and set them on fire. I'm the one telling them they could be happy staying at home. I'm, I'm on your side, fellas. I'm not one of these talk down to men guys, fellas. If we're going to want women to be women again, we got to be men again. You got to pay for the meal. What, Chris? Chris said, only pay for it if you want a second date. No, that's wrong. Obviously, that sounds like a very Chris thing to do. No, that's wrong. You pay for it anyway because it's the right thing to do. You pay for it because you're the dude and it's your job. It is your job to provide, and don't just pay for the first date. Pay for every other daggone date after that. That's what you have to do as a man. That's how we get this society back running the way society should run. Dudes must pay. Now, all that being said, you don't have to take her to someplace fancy like Red Lobster on your first date. And I'm not even joking. In all seriousness, for a first date, first place I took the wife, we went to some place and had a couple pitchers of beer and shot pool. You don't have to spend a bunch of money while you're getting to know her. First date doesn't have to be steakhouse. 
Take her down and get some chicken wings. You can tell a lot about a woman by how she'll eat chicken wings in front of you, too. Get some food in your teeth. Make a mess of your shirt. Share some laughs. First date does not have to be fancy date. And here's a little secret from the old Kelly Files, fellas. You want a good first date play? You ready for this? Take her putt-putt golfing. Go miniature golfing with her. You both get to laugh, do something stupid. Maybe she'll need some coaching tips. No, no, you're holding the club wrong. What, Chris? I'm trying to help people out. Take her putt-butt golfing. Trust me, it works. All right, that's enough of that. We're going to get to headlines I didn't get to here in just a moment. But first, and let's be honest, foremost, this debt problem is really bad. The inflation problem is really, 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 really bad. There's no indication it's about to get better. That doesn't mean you and I sit at home and just cry ourselves to sleep every night because all our money's disappearing. It just means you have to take some basic steps to protect yourself, to protect your wealth. Call Oxford Gold Group today. They do something really good. The reason I'm so enthusiastic about Oxford Gold Group is they actually send you gold and silver. No, not a piece of paper saying, I I think I own some gold and silver somewhere. Real gold and real silver. I'm not telling you to do something crazy or drastic. I'm telling you to protect the money you've worked so hard for. Diversify a bit. Call Oxford Gold Group today. 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. Make sure you tell them Jesse told you to call. Oxford Gold Group. Jesse Kelly. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. What a fun show. Did you see this? Minnesota student says teacher told her to hide equity survey questions from her parents. These people are such scumbags. This is what's so hard about uh, raising kids in this day and age. When they get home from school, especially these government schools and some private schools, when they get home from school, you have to just you have to deconstruct everything they learned that day. Okay, what well, what what were they teaching you, kids? And it's so odd. Like I find the communists. I understand how the communist thinks, but I still find the mentality to be so odd. They look at your kids, and they think to themselves, "How do I get them away from their parents? How do I make sure?" I'm teaching them what I want them to learn and not what their parents want them to. And they do this on purpose. It's not as if they fall into it. This is something they do on purpose. They look at your kids like they're their property. I just, it would, it would, it would never occur to me to do that. But then again, I'm sane and happy. <laughs> Dear Dr. Jesse, the real disaster is women on submarines. The Navy wives fought this for a long time and lost. One problem was a man was taking pictures, and I'm not going to go into all the details of it. I wouldn't want my husband serving in such close quarters with women. What do you think is the major problem with the situation? Yes, I've offended the entire United States of America, and I don't care. Women should not be anywhere on a deployed naval vessel, ever. They shouldn't be in frontline combat units. They shouldn't be on naval vessels. Women on naval vessels has been a humongous disaster for the United States Navy. It's going to contribute to us losing a major war against a major power. It is. It is. These ships are now dens of iniquity. You throw, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? 
oh, let's take a thousand 18-year-old dudes and uh, 50 women. Hey, go everyone go get on the ship. Uh, we'll see you in six months. What do you think's going to happen? Again, when I say this, it's not anti-women. It's understanding that men and men are women are, and women are women. Biology doesn't lie. God made us to be attracted to each other. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't want, I, lady, I wouldn't want your husband on a sub with a bunch of other women either. The sub, the sub stories I have. Oh my gosh. The sub stories I have should be in one of those magazines that's in the plastic sleeve behind the counter in the gas station. It's absolutely, it's horrible what we've done. And what's so wild to me is every single person with military knowledge in our government. They all know that having women on these naval vessels has been a mistake. You should see all the emails I have from women in the Navy who are like, oh, Jesse, you're so right. Oh, I wish more people would talk about that. Even the women know it's been a huge mistake. Not a single elected person in the United States of America has the guts to bring it up. Not one. Not one. The reason it's a problem is not because women are bad. It's not because men are bad. It's because you put them together and things are going to happen. How many of you, you know what? You don't have to share with me details. Please don't share with me any details. But jesse at jessekellyshow.com, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Here's what I want from you. We'll read some of these on the air tomorrow. Do you have any stories about office romance that then led to office drama? Doesn't have to be your own can be someone else. You can make up names. Send me your stories about office romance leading to office drama. And right now, I see you smiling and laughing and nodding because I know we all have one. It's not like it's unique to the Navy. When men and women start working together in close proximity, especially younger, you know, the hormones are flying. Well, things are going to happen. Once those things get done happening, feelings are going to come. Once those feelings come, drama's going to come. As I've said before, if you took me and Chris and some dime and put us on a deserted island by ourselves a year from now, you'd come back and me or Chris would be there, not both of us. How do I know? Biology tells me that. It's not because anyone's bad. That's simple biology. It's been a disaster. All right. Time for headlines I didn't get to. Report, 1.8 million Americans have turned down jobs to stay on unemployment. This is the problem. Everything we've done during coronavirus, every single thing, has simply kicked the problems down the road and then made the problems worse when they finally get back. At some point, those unemployment checks are going to have to stop coming How do I know? We don't have any money. We don't have any money. There's no money left. They've they've spent it all. And now what you're going to start seeing, because the inflation problems are so bad, they're going to have to pull back on how much of this massive money printing they've been doing, pumping all that money in the economy and dropping you unpaid for COVID stimulus checks. What are we going to do as a country? What's the response going to be in America when we get huge cuts to government spending? You've never even experienced cuts in government spending in your life. Neither have I. They're coming. When the money runs out and you're facing massive cuts to social services, it's coming. And that's that's why I tell people all the time, I don't talk much about the debt on the show. 
because the national debt is boring. People find it boring, and it's just not an engaging topic. You're going to care about it eventually, I promise you that. On a long enough timeline, it's the only thing that matters. It is the freight train barreling down the tracks at us. But you can't, you can't make an American understand what happens when the dollar collapses. You know, you can't just because you've never lived through it. You can look at pictures and read books, but you and I don't really get it, right? We don't get it when we think about a hundred dollars all of a sudden not even being able to buy a loaf of bread. That's just too insane to think about. I mean, what? What? no way. The truth is the future is going to see a decrease in standard of living. Why? We spent too much. We simply spent way too much money. No one pulled it back. All right. We are going to try again to get the congresswoman on the show tomorrow. If she's not doing any more votes, you keep your chin up. There's plenty of us. And go run for office. Go kick some tail. That's all. <laughs>